0: Coming Out Black is an online community built to support and celebrate our First Nations mob in the LGBTQIA community.
1: We've developed this podcast to share our stories and we want you to join us for these conversations. Hey, Courtney. Hi. <laughs> We're back again. We're here um, and what a week. Um, how have you been? Tell me all about how your last week's been. I want to hear all about it and then we can get into the topic for the week.
0: This week's been really interesting. I think um, amongst all of the chaos in the world, my personal mm-hmm. life has been really interesting as I may have mentioned before I started recording. Do tell. Uh, not too much to update but I uh, I think I've previously referenced this in in episodes um, but at least to you, Matika, that I've been going on a hiatus from dating mm-hmm. um, for the last, I think, eight mm-hmm. months, uh, roughly, nearly nine. And um, I have recently decided to end said hiatus. I love this. <laughs> Despite putting a challenge to myself out for a year, but I feel like COVID has had um, severe influence on that. So, you know, did the what you have to do and downloads and <laughs> um, we... it's hard to be a lesbian
1: hey it's amazing to be a lesbian and i'm so proud of you
0: thank you i am a very awkward person so it's good to put myself out of my comfort zone and there's some really cool humans in the world and i wouldn't have met them otherwise so
1: yes i love that i don't know if you're down for this but can we please provide like whoever your favorite was can we give her a nickname and can we follow this story I'll also share my dating stories because you know I have plenty. Like, please give her a nickname.
0: Oh, that's so rough because what happens if it goes downhill?
1: Well, then no one knows who she is and it was an entertaining story. Okay. Well, like. Didn't you go on a coffee date?
0: We went on a coffee date.
1: Well, just call, call her like, uh, like a Mrs. Mrs. Coffee. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I'm bad at this. I, don't, I want to call her flat white, but it's kind of like, I don't know if that's got some racial underlines or not. You know what? That's it. I'm, I'm flat white. That's her yeah, name. I mean, but, like, she's not flat or white, but I feel like that also works because it's very, like...
1: Is that the is that the coffee she ordered?
0: That's the coffee she ordered, yeah.
1: Well, then that's her name. There we go. Perfect. Flat white. I'm flat excited. White. Um, yeah.
0: Good grief. Uh, yeah.
1: If you're listening to this, flat white, she we adore me. you, and it's only because that's what you ordered.
0: Good grief. I feel like this is the worst idea I've ever heard of, but... <laughs> I'll entertain it, Matika. Uh, what about you? Do we, uh, can we take this off of me and talk about? Okay, well, okay, yes. We can We can take this
1: off you, but I just want to know, are you going to go on a second date with her?
0: Um, so the thing is, I don't know how to, like, communicate. Should I ask <laughs> her or I text her? Like, I don't, this is, ser- I'm serious. Like, I
1: don't. 100% you should. If you want to go on a second date with her, then just message her and be like, hey, I had a great time. Like, yeah.
0: what do you want to do? do for a second date. And so like what's your advice on how long I should leave it until I send that message? Like say say I saw them this morning hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Is it tonight or is it tomorrow? Is it in 3 days? This is a thing, right? Like
1: <laughs> Honestly, in my experience, I kind of just like I just do it straight away. Like for example, I had a date last week too, and we were talking about how, so we were deciding as to whether or not she should come to my house. And I was also trying to be good, which is usually something that I definitely don't do. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going home by myself. And um, But when she dropped me home, I messaged her and I was like, home safe and sound, like you're absolutely invited to come over next Friday. And so that's our second date. Wow. Easy peasy. Like that was literally at the end of the day because we had talked about it as well. Yeah. Okay. Incredible. I don't know if that makes me like a loser, but hey, I have um, a second date, so screw you. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm definitely the loser here because I got choked up just saying goodbye to her. I'm so awkward. Like, oh man. <laughs> to be fair, she was she's beautiful. <laughs> so I like that was probably why, but um Yay. Um, let's move on. So I love that. Yeah, so you went home uh, this week, didn't you? Went out to Wagga. I
1: sure did. I went back to country and to visit my family and it was really lovely. I only went for one night because my uncle just happened to be traveling down. Um, And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I want to get in the car and come with you. So we went down. I'm working from home so I could take my laptop and work while I was there, which was really good. And I got to spend time with my family and see them and hug them and all those things. Um, I have quite young siblings. So like the youngest in our family is six. I'm the oldest about to be 25. Um... So it was really lovely to see everyone and like my nan and my pop and my little sister, who's uh, at 20, is having a baby really soon. So it was nice to see her with like a baby bump. And I find that it's particularly as we mentioned a little bit in our last episode, times can be like a little bit heavy and hard at the moment with so much uh, media attention on the Black Lives Matter movement and it being Pride Month and all of those things. So sometimes I find it really healing just to return to country, like take a deep breath in and be around community and family. And like, that's exactly what I needed for those two days. And I feel a lot better for it.
0: That's amazing. And did you um, end up getting out to the Black Lives Matter March in Sydney? Is that right? Is that where you were at?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did actually. It was really nice. And I went with my uncle, who's the only family member I have in Sydney and I wore a mask I was responsible um it was really interesting I had quite a few friends which was nice of them to be like worried about me and like oh like COVID says so gonna be huge crowds and stuff like mm-hmm. at one point in time the Sydney march it was illegal like it had to be people were saying you're not legally allowed to go to this march because it's too many people there oh, and wow. in my head I was kind of like um last time I checked it was illegal for cops to murder people but that seemed to be fine when they were doing that. So I think I'm going to go to the march. <laughs> um, exactly. Exactly. But then by the time we got there, like 20 minutes after the start time, it was, the decision was overturned um, by the courts. And so then it was legal again. So that's good. But I guess I protests, know. I saw lots of posts. Yeah, the Sydney one in particular, and that was two marches or protests had already gone on by then. And I saw a really good post online about the Sydney one in particular. And it was like protests and march and, and fighting for human rights are not meant to be are uh, like oh this is the most opportune time and this fits in perfectly with my schedule it's like so it's not meant to be easy the this is an important thing to be doing so yes we're in the middle of a pandemic but that doesn't make black lives any less valuable and this topic any more important to get up and stand up and say something about it so you actually you went to the one in canberra didn't you even though you live in melbourne
0: yeah, so I was up there visiting because the borders are open. Uh, my best friend lives up there, and I think, like I mentioned in the week prior, it, it's it's a heavy time, and I think I needed to go and refresh. And since I couldn't go home to to my country in Queensland, I thought, why not um, go there and then also be part of the the march that storms up um, Parliament House. Mm-hmm. Um, at the Ten ten embassy and it was really powerful it was such a invigorating and energizing protest it was so peaceful but there was just so much passion there and I felt it just come out of every cell in my body which which was amazing and um yeah I think every sort of feeling of fatigue or feeling of helplessness or um anything sort of attached to what's going on that's sort of been negative um, it was. It just really felt amazing to be a part of that moment where you're seeing, you know, crowds of so many different people that aren't mob um, that were there, and then mm-hmm. returning, you know, hearing the news at home. Uh, for me, is Nam on Wurundjeri Country, half a million people mm-hmm. out on these streets protesting, and it was like, yeah, just reading that and seeing that. Um, through social media and stuff was incredible because I was like not only am I proud that I got to go to the to the capital but um yeah my city well like it's not mine but where I live um is getting right up behind it as well and yeah um obviously there's part of this fight that's over but the whole the whole point of the matter is we can do all the black we one and share all these posts but showing up is the most important part and that's what's happened around the country and I hope that it continues to happen um, as time goes on. Absolutely. The fight's not over, like this was police brutality, we haven't even started to talk about education, housing, um, you know, socioeconomic factors, systematic um, racism within our government structures, the fact that there's no mob in so on so many boards that are part of programs or services that actually provide for them. Um, so, you know, we've got a lot more to be talking about Yeah, um, it's as much, but I think it's all encompassing when you say black lives matter. And I think that's kind of where people get a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, despite it being incredibly tough because of the way that the media's kind of sh- shine a light on what's happening. It's, um, also quite energizing and powerful and it's really exciting because you feel like we're at a point now where hopefully life's about to start changing for some of us. And, um, change is true I really hope that's true
1: yeah I agree with you like it was really powerful for me to be at the march as well in Sydney but at the same time it was like I also wish I wasn't here I wish I didn't have to do this I wish uh, that our people and first nations individuals and people of color around the world haven't had to scream at the top of our lungs for years to have people recognize this and this isn't the first time that we've had Black Lives Matter in the media, this isn't the first time with March saying, please don't bloody kill us. Yeah. Literally here in Australia, in the US, everywhere around the world, it's not the first time we've had to do this, but God, I hope it's the last time.
0: Exactly. And, I mean, like we're not the first to protest. Like our ancestors put their lives on the line to protest for days, for months. You know, there's been so many historical protests that have led to our rights and that's inclusive of... Mm -hmm pride month is inclusive of you know mm-hmm. gay marriage rallies that we used to have and now we finally have um you know legalized gay marriage which is incredible so yeah mm-hmm. i mean hopefully it doesn't go to a plebiscite or anything as insane and as the way that it happened here but I
1: know, still,
0: I know. so hopefully um change and reform is coming but speaking of pride um happy pride month
1: happy pride month do you feel extra gay
0: um, a little bit. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I'm working. I I'm working.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Hey, you broke the hiatus
0: though. So. Yeah. Well, that must be, it, it must've just been like, yeah. yeah what about you? you feeling?
1: Extra gay. <laughs> Girl, I always feel the most gay, you know that. <laughs> um, actually June is one of my favourite times of the year. Number one, Pride Month. Love that for me. Number two, this particular time of the year with the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, everyone's having a lot more conversations about queer Indigenous people, which, hi, we're here for that party. Um, And three, my birthday's in June, which proves how gay I am. Uh, And I'm very excited about that. (laughs) Actually, I don't usually do much for my birthday, but it's nice to just make the joke every year about, oh, I was born in Pride Month, so like I'm gayer than everyone else. Not true, but, you know, that's fine. Cancer season is here, so I'm ready to be so emotional all the time.
0: Nice. Um,
1: it's just like a great time of the year. <laughs> okay.
0: okay, I feel that. Yeah, it, it feels nice. I think, obviously, restrictions are lifting. Um, people are mm-hmm. returning back to the not normal life, but people are going back to work. It's a new financial year. We can all do our tax, um, et cetera. So I think we're all just um, feeling uh, the good things. Okay. Yeah, but... Um, Let's delve into this week's topic. We've
1: touched, it, we've touched on it a little bit already, of course, but the whole topic of this week is uh, bringing uh, together uh, everything that's happening at the moment, which yeah. is the Black Lives Matter movement, it being Pride Month, and specifically we want to talk a little bit more about the fact that Pride uh, started as a riot. We're having all of these uh, protests at the moment about human rights and mm-hmm. essentially have a discussion around... Uh, violence against the queer community and violence against people of colour so I guess Courtney I wrote down a few stats here because I'm smart and I guess I wanted to just sort of pitch them to you and you let me know what you think about those stats okay so I'm going to read them to you you ready
0: hit me I'm bad at maths but all
1: right so yeah same girl don't even get me started all right so here in Australia um indigenous Australians uh, thirteen times more likely to be locked up. That's that one hundred percent goes up if you're an Indigenous youth. Yeah. Um, since the Royal Commission, we've had four hundred and thirty-two deaths in custody, um, which is like what more than one one death a month. Sometimes two. That's crazy. Again, I'm not good at math, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. If it's not, someone let me know. Um, what do you think about those two stats in particular? The the more likely to be uh, involved with the police and locked up, and then also with the amount of deaths we've had here in Australia for our First Nations men and women.
0: Yeah, so obviously, like I'm, I feel a lot of shame around that, purely based on the fact mm-hmm. that I'm not ashamed for our mob. Like I'm, in, I'm embarrassed that it's at that level, but more so on mm-hmm. the on the end of that is clear indicator of how wrong our systems are, whether it be all of the systems that exist prior to the justice system and everything that exists after it, obviously including the justice system. So 3% of the population, mind you, you know, 3 to 5% of the population, mm-hmm. yet 13 times more likely. Statistically, that just doesn't even make any sense to me because how is yeah. it possible? Um, that being said, uh, you know, we can throw preventative programs out there all we like, but, like, if it's not being done right, we're not, like, doing mm-hmm. putting money into the right things or the hiring the right people. And actually, like, I think what I've noticed as well during, like, and I definitely don't speak on, like, this is not my area of expertise at all, but my understanding from things that I, I have learnt throughout my time being a 25-year-old, um, mm-hmm. which isn't too much, is that, like, you know, there's been a lot of great ideas and people thinking that they're doing the right thing, but they're not engaging mob to even work out what we need, um, particularly in this area. Um, so true. You know, like just because you you want something to happen, and it doesn't just doesn't mean it's going to happen like that. And at the same time, obviously, there's a lot more that is fundamentally wrong with our country. Um, in a nutshell and that obviously surfaces around racism
1: yeah actually on that point I wanted to ask you I mean obviously the two of us will have a very unique experience and we're both very uh vocal about the fact that our experience of aboriginality will differ um than to the experience of our darker-skinned brothers and sisters within community Uh, having said that have you or anyone that you know in your family or community ever experienced uh, violence from the police or have you seen anyone in your queer community or yourself as well experience violence from the police or community uh, as a result of being
0: either Indigenous or LGBTQIA? Um, My earliest memory and my first experience of learning about police brutality and sort of racism was when I was living out out in the community when I was um, quite young. I was under the age of 10. And a parent of mine came home and told us about um, uh, he wasn't a relative of ours but kind of like a friend of a relative um, about him getting murdered. And I i don't know if we were told the night that it happened or, or why. And I, maybe I was eavesdropping, to be honest. Um, as a little kid I was a bit of a, a menace. But I do know that conversation that was had was that um this fellow wasn't even drinking and they accused him of being drunk and a little scuffle broke out and they, um, and obviously I'm not going to go into too much detail, but the crux of it was unfortunately this man did die um, as a result of overaggressive um, manoeuvres and that involved um, ex- excessive force, sorry, um, and I don't think he got charged for it. I don't believe he got charged for it and I know that that definitely changed um, my parents' life. And it definitely kind of, yeah you know, when you think the world's all rose-coloured as a someone who's quite young, I think I've been like seven or six, um, it completely opened my eyes to how cruel the world is and more so um, how devastating racism is mm-hmm. um, in this country. Uh, that's my my memory. And then um, in regards to mobbing in the LGBTQ community, I yeah. don't think I have any any reference of police brutality but I definitely know that there's a lot of violence against um, most, uh, particularly our transgender um, brothers and sisters uh, whether that be at school whether that be in the street uh, it's definitely something that's quite mm-hmm. um, unfortunately common and definitely something that we want, we want to to end through education but yeah so true that will take time but what about you
1: Yeah, I think uh, from like an LGBT perspective, um, I haven't necessarily seen it from the police, although, of course, we all know the statistics um, uh, that are around that topic. But from a more personal perspective, even from a a young age, I might have shared part of this story before. Um, Like my first girlfriend uh, was at the time uh, very masculine presenting And, of course, went on to transition later. And the only reason I say girlfriend again is because at the time they identified it as a girl. Um, And Mm -hmm. she literally, like, had to – this was back in high school. And people were so hateful against this person for not, you know, looking like a woman or uh, visibly being a gay person. Again, I sort of flew under the radar a lot of the time because I was more feminine to the point where – she had to, like, she had a slip from our teacher that she could leave school early so that she could start walking home before everyone else got out of school because she would have, like, rocks thrown at her. People would bully her. She'd been beaten up a few times walking home from school. Like, and it just seemed like there was nothing anyone could do about it. Like, we lived in kind of a crappy neighbourhood, so the police sort of, you just didn't call the police when bad things happened. And I guess that also links really well to experiences of violence with the police and the Indigenous community. Like um, I grew up in a low socioeconomic community. I grew up in like the crappy part of the neighbourhood. And it was just kind of like, if you want help, like the last people you call is the police because things are going to get worse then. Particularly if you're in a community where there's drugs and alcohol um, and there's all of situations around that, you don't want to call the police because they end up, uh in my this is like my young 12 year old mindset it's they'll be there like oh so we can we can find some drugs now and we can get someone for this rather than you can assist this female who's being beaten by her partner like I remember as this has nothing to do with drugs this particular story but um when I lived in Minto actually I moved around a lot as a kid so I didn't always live in Wagga um I had a, a white Auntie and Uncle. We yeah. call them Auntie and Uncle because they were very close to us, but they were not indigenous. And um they were fighting one night. And I grew up around a lot of uh not a lot of, but uh, a fair amount of unfortunately domestic violence. Um and they were fighting. And I remember getting scared as a kid and I called the police. Uh like I was so young that when she's like, What's your postcode? I was like, I don't know this, I don't know. <laughs> I just know my street name and she had to look it up. Um, and I called the police on my auntie and uncle who again were white but they came to our house where Aboriginal people live of course and at the end of that night when I a young child had called the police on my white uh, auntie and uncle for fighting that night ended with a police officer saying that my mum who's Indigenous not necessarily crazy dark but definitely tan enough to be visibly Aboriginal uh, had spat in her face and like me and her two children at the time, she's a single mother, like being really scared that all of these police officers were at the front of our yard yelling at her, saying that she'd spat in their face. And I don't remember if she was arrested or not, but I just couldn't believe that it went from these two white people fighting, me calling the police and then my Indigenous mum actually being the victim of whatever the police were doing. And it was really scary as a child. The police just didn't seem to care that her kids were right there watching them scream at her. And I'm like, I'm right there. My mum did not spit at you. She's standing on the step with me. Um, And so that's, I guess, an example of an experience of one, my first girlfriend having a lot of violence from community, not necessarily Indigenous community, but people in general society. And an example of the police really not making me feel safe as a, a young Indigenous person. And it's not a good thing to... To have a mindset of and it's it, equally the idea of like docs and if the police come to your house they'll take away your children and, and those sorts of things that generally generally get passed down to families
0: yeah of course um and like mate I'm really sorry mm-hmm. to see that as a as a kid and I think that all kind of highlights how relevant and how I feel like all yeah. of us have stories like that and I feel like ours are yes absolutely absolutely um to be honest like we know the way like yeah what our cousins and friends and um other relatives have gone through at all various ages and still go through today Mm -hmm. I feel like you know I don't necessarily panic too much when I get pulled over or when I'm but if I'm with um with mob I do get very tense or if I'm wearing like an indigenous Mm -hmm. top rather than a non-indigenous designed shirt I feel like I almost feel a little bit More apprehensive.
1: Yeah, I'm actually so glad that you said that. I'm like, because I actually didn't know your mindset on this. I know that a lot of people, and I mean, what we're saying right now might piss some people off. Because I know a lot of people, uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, of course, have the mindset of like, all all police are pigs. You know, like that's just the way it is. If you're a police officer, uh, you're uh, you're part of the problem. And if you're an Indigenous person who's in the police force, how dare you turn your back on mob but I don't think that that's a fair enough statement. Like I think it's yeah. I, I think of it in the same way where people say like, oh, this one Aboriginal person stole something once and so all Aboriginal people are stealers and, a, and are thieves and deserve to be locked up. If we're gonna say one police officer uh, has been violent and abused their power, we can't then say every single police officer does that. We can definitely make statements like the system is broken and if you're part of that system, you're in a broken system. But I don't think it's fair to say that all police officers are uh, inherently violent because we have a lot of people who are, you know, they grew up being maybe afraid of the police or they saw that things weren't right and they're in those systems because they want to change them. Just like we have Indigenous lawyers working in the system because they want to change things. Indigenous politicians, people working in the medical field, we're all in these systems that are not set up to serve our people because we want to make something different. So I totally agree with you. I don't think it's fair to to have that generalisation.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably what's getting kind of misconstrued as well, that when people think this like whole Black Lives Matter movement, I think I said it before, it's
1: mm-hmm. just about
0: police brutality. It's not. It's about fundamentally valuing yes. a human life a regardless of race. And like obviously we hear this whole, because all lives yes. matter, Black Lives Matter. And I think like mm-hmm. it's also worth talking about people of colour in the Pride community. So um, I'm not sure... If you've seen this documentary or not, but it's on Netflix, it's been around since uh, for a couple of years now, but it's about Marsha P. Johnson. Actually, I don't think I have. Wow. Okay. So, like, she was an American gay liberation activist and she was a mm-hmm. self-identified drag queen. She was known in the African-American community and pride community um, that she was, yeah, like an outspoken advocate for gay rights. But what was really amazing about her was she was one of the, like, the most prominent figures of the... 1969 stolen. Ah, uh, sorry, yeah, Stonewall, awesome. um uprising. So, she did get murdered. Mm-hmm. Her death was deemed suicide, but this documentary is all about um, crazy who she was, what happened to her, and obviously the legacy that she has mm-hmm. created and left behind because she. If she didn't do what she did and led those people, then I think we would all be living really different lives right now. One hundred percent. The yeah, the LGBTQ community. I think even um like black rights like worldwide. Um, to be honest, must be cool, but that's genuinely true. Um, so check it out. I think like anyone that's listening, um, if you're looking for something to watch, definitely check it out. It's Pride Month. Um, though I feel like a lot of people are educating themselves on black um, literature and art and stories, I think that's definitely one that needs to be, needs to be seen. For sure. She's a very important human being. Yeah.
1: That actually leads us really well in to uh, this week's Queer Black Excellence, which I came very prepared. Mm. Okay, so my Queer Black Excellence for the week is uh, an Indigenous uh, artist Uh, and queer individual Dylan Mooney Uh, his Instagram is Dylan Mooney underscore so D-Y-L-A-N-M-O-O-N-E-Y underscore of course um, as every week we'll post a picture on our Instagram and we'll tag the individuals that we've named in queer black excellence Um, as I said he's an artist he does some amazing things uh, that I think just really highlight uh, diversity in our community um, and around the world really I think his artworks fantastic I think we probably reposted it a few times and I'm always finding myself liking his art so everyone definitely go check it out I'm really loving it particularly uh in this time he's done some pretty uh I think really wonderful and powerful and celebratory artworks recently amongst all this so he's my shout out for the week what about you Courtney wonderful
0: um my Black Excellence for the Week, um, to my understanding, she's not queer, but obviously I don't want to speak on behalf of her. Um, but her name is Rachel Sara. So mm-hmm. Rachel Sara, um, she's a designer, she's an artist, she's an activist. Her Instagram handle is sar.ra Underscore underscore. So um I actually know Rachel mm-hmm. from when I was a young adult playing basketball. We used to play against each other. And um I believe that I hated playing against her because she's such a jet. Um, and she was really, really, (laughs) anyway, long story short, years have gone by and I've been following this artist on Instagram for ages. I loved all her artwork and I went into her page one day and I realized Mm. that it was her and I was like, my God, this is incredible. So she's done a lot of stuff, um, in Brisbane, um, but heaps of stuff everywhere. And, um, but not only like is she an artist, but the way that she does her activism is really special. I think it's quite unique in the way that she writes how she feels and i feel like it's quite cathartic reading and seeing some of the stuff that she writes um we've we've shared a couple of things that she's written about um mm. color and identity and the importance of reaching out um and things like that and something she's a couple of things she's recently posted about was um you know not to glorify being busy and to take care of yourself because it's really important yeah. um particularly when you're doing a lot of activism right now it is really tiring and a lot of our mob who are on the front line, for example, like Vanessa Turnbull-Roberts, Molly Silva, um, Rachel Sarah, Brooklyn, like so many of our um, sisters are doing a lot of stuff for the media and I reckon it's just absolutely incredible that they're doing so, but it is very time-consuming and it also takes up a lot of emotional uh, energy. But anyway... Um, She's jumped on the um, Share the Mic Now Australia, which happened um, this week, which was really cool to see um, non-mob Australians who have a lot of following. So, yeah, give her a, a follow. She sells merch as well. Um, yeah. And just incredible voice to be listening to right now. And I I feel a lot of connections to the words that she's saying. And as a, you know, someone who's really interested in Indigenous affairs, uh, it's really interesting to follow her and hear her thoughts and opinions on things because, um yeah, they're they're pretty accurate to how people feel, but um again, the she she puts her own spin on it as well, which is cool.
1: Yeah, I think she's great too. I love her stuff as well. Awesome. Okay, two artists this week. Love that for us.
0: Very good. It's very cool. Very different artists as well, which is which is great.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Okay, well, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. Done and dusted. Yeah. Don't you feel like it came through like it was so fast? I just want to spend all afternoon with you, Courtney. I just want to spend all my like, time with you.
0: I feel like you grilled me half half the episode about like dating, um, which I mean. <laughs> um, but yeah, you it's know like, I'm a machine. It's like, I'm you are. You, I'm just like, like
1: either in a beautiful, wonderful, committed relationship or out there living my best life. And I'm transitioning at the moment out of essentially a relationship into dating again. Get ready, everyone. Also, I just want to support you in your love life because I love love.
0: You're an inspiration. Um, yeah, well, hopefully. Uh, it all <laughs> will well for me. No matter what, though, like I've obviously the relationship I have with myself is the most important. So I'll keep working on that and if it happens. But, um, yeah, I feel like it's also important to mention um, our next episode that's coming out. I'm uh, having my first go at being a solo interviewer. Um, Hooray! <laughs> and it's it's topical. Um, I've been given the opportunity to interview um, a young mum and yeah, a young man um, who is in the process of tr- of transitioning and um, talking about his journey. And um, we're also trying to look to support um, some fundraising for him to get top surgery because it is very expensive and not covered. Um, mm-hmm where he lives under any sort of medical um, support. Mm. So, yeah, um, so stay tuned for that one. Uh, it's coming up very soon.
1: I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a fantastic interview and I'll miss spending time with you during our recording sessions, but I'm also very excited to hear the conversation that you have.
0: <laughs> Cute. Um, <but> yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. That's one episode Done and dusted again. So, make sure you uh, go and follow us on Instagram at Coming Out Black. We're also on Facebook, Coming Out Black. Remember, B L A K. Absolutely ask us any questions. Give us ideas for things you want us to talk about in the future. What's our Gmail again, Courtney? It
0: is Coming Out Black, B L A K, at gmail.com. Perfect. Anything else they should do that I forgot? Um, check out the Netflix documentary, get involved in the conversation. DM us or shoot us any questions and connect with each other. This is still quite a a harsh time for us, for for Mm -hmm. mob. And honestly, like everyone right now, the world is hurting.
1: Yeah, love yourself a bit.
0: Yeah, exactly. Stay tuned and, yeah, reach out if you need it.
1: See you next episode, everyone. Bye.